Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast. We're back after, again, another long hiatus. Like I said, it wasn't going to be uh, a regular pod every week. It was going to be now and again. Uh, and we were waiting for a bit more to talk about. And we've got that now. Uh, big game coming up on Wednesday uh, against Denmark, European Championship semi-final. Big game, massive game. Uh, I've got AJ and Sam with me from the VBB crew to discuss the game, preview that, talk a bit about what's happened so far in the Euros, our thoughts on the, on the games, Jack's involvement, Tyrone's involvement, uh, and then possible future involvement as well. Talk about transfers, obviously. Uh, I think since the last time we recorded a pod, Ashley Young has joined the club, so we'll talk about that. We'll get the, get the lowdown on, on, on Ashley Young joining. Uh, I'll be interested to hear the guys' thoughts on that one. There's been definitely been a mixed reaction on that one, I think, uh, looking at the forums and on, on social media. Uh, a bit more on some of the links uh, that are circling around, particularly Emil Smith-Rowe uh, is, is the strongest one that we've got so far. We'll talk about that as well. And then uh, we'll hear your suggestions as well on transfers and get the guys' uh, take on those suggestions as well and see what they think. Hopefully it should be uh, it should be a good, interesting episode for you guys. And uh, sorry it's been a while, but like I said, it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be pretty ad hoc over the summer as and when things happen rather than any regular regular pods. Uh, hopefully we'll have quite a lot to talk about anyway. But let's let's get cracking. Let's go straight on to it. Uh, let's start with the England game, I suppose. That's the, that's the, the one in everyone's uh, minds at the moment. Um, firstly, AJ, how you doing, mate? You good? I'm all right, mate. I'm good. How are you? Very good, mate. I love the uh, Ashley Young uh, outfit you got yourself uh, there. Thank you. Yeah, I thought I'd make an effort for the pod tonight. Yeah, I've got my snood on. I've got my long-sleeved Acorns, uh, Acorns Nike jersey on or shirt, depending on. Uh... Yeah, so uh, yeah, I haven't put the black gloves on though, because just in case I need to use my mouse or anything, I thought that'd be a bit. I thought that'd be a bit inconvenient, but uh, I don't know if I don't know if I'll make it all the way through with the snood on. That might have to come off in a bit, but uh, very just... much uh, Ashley Young Everton vibes, isn't it? That's that's the game yeah, I was thinking of. Yeah. That's the game I was thinking yeah. of. Definitely. When uh, when Martin uh, called him a genius, didn't he? He ran yeah. over to the touchline at the end, and he was going, "You're a genius. You're a genius." Yeah. Compared into Messi yeah. and, and Ronaldo, um, yeah. and from the, <laughs> went all downhill after that. But we'll talk about Ashley Young, obviously. Uh, like I said, that, that'll be uh, that'll be one of the main topics of the pod. Uh, but but good to see you back on AJ. Your thoughts on uh, England so far in the Euros? You must be ecstatic. I, I, yeah, uh, I think um, it's an odd one as a Villa fan, isn't it? Because obviously you want Grealish to be tearing it up and showing everyone what a great player he is. But um, at the same time, you know, as an England fan, you c- I couldn't be happier really. I mean, the, the group stage, it was all a bit flat, wasn't it? Um, there were no real outstanding performances there. It was, it was quite workmanlike in a way. And I think especially on the back of the Scotland game where we struggled to break them down and, you know, it was all pretty turgid and, and stuff like the The mood um, was not, was not great, was it? But um, since then, obviously Germany, such a huge win. Jack played his role uh, in that, uh, you know, involved in both, in both goals and, and did change the dynamic a little bit when he, when he came on and then, uh, of course, Ukraine, who, you know, let's be honest, Ukraine were, were quite poor. I think a combination of them not being one of the truly top sides in Europe and also them being very tired, I think, um, helped. But you can't argue with the performance. You can only beat what's there in front of you. Uh, and it was a convincing 
convincing victory. We didn't even need to bring on our best player. So, uh, <laughs> as, a, as a as an England fan, I suppose you know it's a good it's a good thing that you know. And it's not just it's not just Jack, is it? You know, look you look at Foden, who since the early games where he was starting, he can't get he can't get a kick. You know, he didn't mm. come on against Germany. He's barely played and. You know, as much as we all love Jack, you look at Foda's performance, and especially in the second half of last season, and the numbers that he's put up for Man City, uh, another phenomenal player. You know, and I think what's been good about um, what Southgate's done is it feels like you know the fans aren't all happy, and they're all moaning a little bit about whether Jack should get more time and stuff, especially Villa fans. But in terms of the in terms of the players. It seems like he's got them all on board, and you know he is trying to use different players in different ways for different uh, for different games. And you know, I said on Twitter the other day, um, the Ukraine game, it being an England quarter final, I, I never felt nervous. I, I never felt nervous during the day. I never felt nervous during the game. And I think for all Southgate's had his critics along along the way, and we all feel like Jack deserves to be playing a more prominent role. That speaks to the job that he has done uh, as manager for England. That you can go into a quarterfinal against any any team in Europe and just feel like that was just a straightforward, convincing victory. Uh, I, I guess the flip side of that is I almost wasn't feeling as excited as I would normally feel uh, winning a quarterfinal and going into yeah. a semi final because yeah. it was just it just felt like a routine win. Um, mm. But yeah, the next one will be interesting. I guess we'll come on to, to talk about that in uh, in a little while. Um, I think Denmark will be a tougher challenge. Uh, but yeah, so far, um, it feels like it's kind of nicely ramping up, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, just a little quick quirk on the stats as well, um, which a few people have been tweeting about this. Uh, our last uh, few, our last three games have gone uh, 1-0, 2-0, 4-0. So... Statistically, we should be looking at an 8-0 against Denmark <laughs> and a 16-0 in the final, uh, just to keep that lovely exponential That'd be curve. nice. That'd be nice. Uh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. No, um, no, I think you're right. Denmark will be a tougher test. And it's, it's a bit of a weird one. You know, definitely, I was one of these people who thought, you know, Southgate had a bit of an agenda against Jack early on. But, I mean, if you look at it, he plays like Rashford. You know, he has hardly got a kick in, the, in any of the games, really. He came on last game, obviously, but... Uh, yeah, Sancho was the first game he started. Uh, and yes, he did fairly well. I think he, his performance was hyped a little bit. I don't think it was amazing. I thought it was decent. But you know, these players have haven't got a kick of games. Whereas Jack Jack has started a game. He's come on and almost been Southgate's go-to man to change a game as well in these Euros, which I think shows a lot of trust in, in him as well. So definitely, my my mood and my opinion has changed. Um, I, Sam, I don't know if you're if you're like me um, with England. I, I think. Looking on Twitter when it comes to Villa fans, there's there's those Villa fans who are totally invested in England regardless of whether Jack plays or not. You know, it doesn't matter to them almost. You've got those Villa fans who are probably a bit like more myself where the investment in England definitely peaks when someone like Jack or Tyrone's playing. Um, and and it, my mood gets impacted whether he's starting or not. Um, and, and my like I said, my investment in the game. Does get impacted. I'm still, you know, still an England fan and all that, all that good stuff. But definitely, you know, I'm definitely a club over country, and that's the way I've always been. But then you get those fans uh, who are completely like, if Jack doesn't play, you know, they're, they're not interested. And I've, I've sort of teetered on that a little bit at times, but I think that's definitely changed since we've started winning. So I'm definitely a Glory fan. But where, where's you sitting in that sort of 
range of, of fun we got to half time or full time and there was like a uh you know a month they were trying to do a little bit of a highlights reel for sancho and they said oh look at this look how he picks up the ball we're under pressure from a corner and he dribbles past a couple of players oh and look he wins a foul and they were saying oh look at this this thing incredible incredible uh wing play what a player and you're just thinking jack does that 10 times a game you know it's his it's his bread and butter and you're making out like you know we've never had a player like this before I just thought it was it just smacked a little bit of kind of, you know, let's play up how Sancho's playing. But we all know that Jack does so much more than that. He's got, you know, he's assisted, he's come on, he's changed the game. And part of me just thinks, you know, it's not necess- it's not because I'm a Villa fan. I, you know, I'm, I, I think that Jack is our most creative player and we, we should be playing him. All other nations would be playing their most creative player. Why aren't we? So it does wind me up. And then you look at previous tournaments, you look at Gascoigne in 1990, you know, um, you look at Owen in 1998, you look at Rooney in 04. There's a player who just, you know, captures the imagination and just has that ability to do something a bit different. And I think that we've got that. And yet we're just keeping him, keeping the shackles on it. I just find that frustrating. And, you know, I suppose you can look at it and say, look, there's, there's two ways to approach the tournament. You know, you can make yourself really hard to beat and you can score goals on, on the break or with set pieces, or you can actually unleash your attacking talent. And, you know, I have to accept and that you can win the tournament both ways. You know, I just think that with the players and the weapons that we've got, I'd have really expected Gareth to go the other way. And, you know, obviously he would, he would say, well, I'm in the semi-final. We've just won a quarter final four nil. We haven't conceded a goal yet. I'll do it my way. Thanks. And I think that as the tournament's gone on, I think you have to say fair enough, but you know, I just, I, I think I'd, I'd prefer the swashbuckling approach, but that's just me. Well, yeah, and I said on, um, I did a bit of a facetious tweet on Twitter the other day where I tweeted out Kevin De Bruyne's defensive stats, despite the fact I'm always saying on this uh, pod, you know, you shouldn't look at stats out of context of how the team plays and their style and all of that sort of stuff. But Kevin De Bruyne's defensive stats, you know, there's this whole discourse around. The reason Jack doesn't play is that he doesn't put a shift in defensively, which I don't really think is true anyway, because, you know, you look at how good our defence was this year. You don't do that entirely carrying uh, a player and just letting them do what they want. Um, but, you know, there's there's the, it, Kevin De Bruyne's defensive stats are not dissimilar from Jack's. And there is absolutely no question that in Belgium, they are not debating whether Kevin De Bruyne should have been playing in the tournament because... Yeah. Does does De Bruyne contribute enough defensively? That's not a conversation that's anyone's no. having. But if you look at the creative stats this season, Jack is on a par. You know, I've been saying all season, there's only Bruno Fernandes and Kevin De Bruyne that are on a par with Jack in terms of what they've created in the Premier League this season. And both of those teams play for much better teams who finish much higher in the league uh, and have much better players uh, around them. So arguably, Jack delivering the same numbers is better. Um so, yeah, that does frustrate me a little bit in the sense that, A, I don't think that it's true that he doesn't put in uh, a defensive shift. Uh, and B, even if it were true, I don't see other nations having the same conversation about similar sort of players like De Bruyne for Belgium. But having said all of that, um, if we win 1-0 uh in the next next two games, uh, and Jack doesn't play, I'll still be absolutely bloody delighted to see us uh, win the Euros. Do, so, do, AJ, do you think Jack's been unfairly labelled, or or not? 
almost typecasted as this flair player who is a bit of a luxury. Yeah, we saw we saw the article. I think yeah. I can't remember who it was around. You know, comparing that. You know, saying that what fans want to be Grealish was that flair, and Sanchez brought that plus. You know, obviously his defensive abilities, and and almost like Jack's like, oh, you can only play him if you're playing against a crap team because you can't trust him defensively. It, it's almost like he's been typecast as this player, which yeah. he actually isn't. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, he's not Mason Mount. Like, you know, Mason Mount contributes more off the ball than Jack does. That's, you know, th- there's no debate about that. And I could see, you know, in a certain system or a certain way of playing, why you would value that approach. But, uh, uh, but uh, and he does have a defensive error in him. There's been plenty of times this season where he's given it away in a sort of dangerous area and we've got away with it a couple of times. But, you know, Sterling did that. He almost gifted a goal to, to Muller. You know, if Muller's had his usual quality of finishing, he would have he would have done. Um, so it, it, it happens. So I, I don't think he's by any means amongst those sort of attacking wide players or central players, he has the best defensive game around. But I don't think it's true that he doesn't put a shift in. And I don't think uh, it's true uh, that uh, he's a risk to play on that basis. Because the flip side of it is what Sam's just touched on. You know, he'll win a free kick and take the pressure off. Uh, he'll help you keep the ball. He'll bring other players around him into the game. So part of the way you defend successfully is by not letting the other team have the ball. And Jack is a brilliant uh, outlet to allow for that. And I, I guess the the equivalent, uh, in a way, is Italy, who play a totally different way from England. And I think it will be really interesting tactically if those two teams meet in the final for that, for that reason. Um but they've had a very similar defensive record, uh, but playing in, in a totally different, much more aggressive, much more high pressing, um, uh, much more open sort of way. Uh, so, yeah, it, essentially, there's different ways to skin a cat, isn't there? And uh, I do think it's a little bit of an unfair characterization of uh, Jack. But I do think the defense is the weaker part of his game, but his creative abilities are so much better. I guess, you know, that's the balance that. A manager has to strike, isn't it? And and I suppose we all think Gareth is falling down on the less exciting side of that fence, but you can't argue with the fact that it's been effective. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it'd be interesting if we go behind in a game which we haven't done yet. I think it'd be interesting if you know he's relying on Jack to really dig us out of a hole if we go a, a goal or two down. You know, then the dynamic changes, doesn't it? But if that doesn't happen, then you, you know you can't argue with the effectiveness of it. Yeah, I mean personally, I don't, I don't like Jack as a sub. I don't think he's a good sub. I think he's, uh, he's a type of player who needs to feel himself into a, a game, um, so he needs time. Uh, but you know, we've seen the two sides of that, haven't we, Sam? We saw against Scotland where he came mm. on, didn't do anything really, and, and then against Germany, obviously, where he, he sort of helped change the game. What, what are your thoughts on him against Denmark? Do you think? Do you think, because it's probably better opposition that we faced apart from Germany side, obviously, that Southgate will be a bit more trusting of him and getting more involved in the game? Or do you think it will be the same, Sancho will start or Saka will come in? I I don't think that Jack will start. Um, although I have to say, to, to Southgate's, uh, in Southgate's defence, or to his credit perhaps, he does he does keep you guessing a little bit with the formation. Like you just think, oh, he'll go again, he'll go again with the same side, same formation. But actually, he has been prepared to tweak it a little bit. So, you know, I don't think that he will start Jack. 
but I wouldn't be surprised if he threw him in there, if that makes any sense. Like, I just think that he will want the element of surprise in the lineup. And so who knows? But I do think that Saka obviously played well when he came in. He's a good option. And I wouldn't actually be that disappointed if Saka starts because he's a good player and, he, and, he, and he's done well. Um, I actually would be disappointed if Sancho starts because I think all this chat about how good he was, I didn't see it personally. I thought he was all right. I didn't, but I didn't think he was that great. I mean, I wouldn't be spending 80 million quid on him and or whatever it is that Man United have just spent. But anyway, that's just me. I, I think that um, one of the things with the Ukraine game was, you know, we, we talked about it on the WhatsApp group. I didn't I wasn't happy that he picked so many defensive players against Germany. But if you're going to go defensive, you know, of course, that was the time to do it. And actually, Phillips and Rice were unbelievable. And they blocked off that space in between the uh, in between the defence and midfield, and it meant that you know Havertz and uh, Werner, there, there was just no space for them to work. And they, I think, they only threaded one ball in through between our uh, in, into the channels between our back three because they just couldn't get the ball in that position where they wanted to hurt us. So I'd say fair play, Gareth. That was brilliant. You know, that was good tactics and bringing on Jack at the right time, and we got the win. But then you've got Ukraine, and you just think, get on that front foot, you know pick Jack for this one but we won 4-0 so the argument is clear isn't it we've just scored four goals and not conceded one so you know I, I suppose it's you're, you're in danger as a Villa fan and a, and, a, and a fan of kind of enterprising football of sounding like you're carping uh, you know what's wrong with a 4-0 mm. win but I really do think against Denmark you know let's try and get on the front foot let's try to put them under pressure let's move the ball quicker and you mentioned Italy I love watching Italy play they try and play the hurt ball every time. They're playing the ball in behind. And, you know, they're, they're a fantastic team to watch. You know, I, I would rather that we were looking to play that kind of football. I'm just not sure if Gareth thinks that that's the way, unfortunately. Hmm. It's a weird one, isn't it? Because um, going into the tournament, you know, obviously defence for us was seen as a weak point with our centre-backs uh, and, and defensive midfielders. Uh, and our forwards are our strength with so many talented players, yet... We've almost negated that uh, forward play by by how we've played. To be, and to be honest, mate. To be honest, mate. I always thought that was an odd thing. You know, when you look at who we've got at the back, we've got okay. We've got John Stones, plays for Manchester City. Hmm. You know, we were Champions League finalist, won the league by Atacanta, uh, playing alongside um, Kyle Walker at right back. Uh, you've got Harry Maguire, the, one of the most expensive defenders that's that, that's ever that there's ever been. Uh, you, you know, you, you've got two Champions League winning fullbacks that can't get in the side that can't can't even get in the like Chilwell's not in the squad most case, not even in the match day squad most mm. case. You know, and then you you know with that extra insurance of two midfielders in front. But even if you hadn't like got two holding midfielders, even if you pick Phillips or Rice, you know, Rice is going to end up at one of the one of the elite clubs isn't he like yeah. he's re- he's rejected a contract and all of that you know phillips has been one of the players of the season for leeds this this season very uh, good player very uh, good as well yeah exactly so you know all right there are question marks over pickford and his club form but actually um the uh, he's never let england down really mm. and and again you look at we've had three we've had all these clean sheets uh, I think our cumulative XG against over the games is about three and a half. So actually, the, the goalkeeper's put in a performance in there as well as some poor finishing from Muller, etc., which which helps with that. But um, we haven't conceded. So I, I always thought it was a bit odd, this idea that we're really weak 
at the back because you look at the players that you've got in there. They're playing week in week out. You know, in the Champions League, Champions League finalists, Champions League winners, league champions. Uh, some of the most expensive uh, defenders in the world play in our defence. So, uh, you know, uh, I, yeah, I just always thought that was a bit of an odd mm. position to to take, to be honest, um, because I, I don't think we should be weak defensively compared to a lot of the other teams that are in the tournament who don't have that that quality and depth, especially the fullbacks. So I think we've got some of the best fullbacks in the in the competition. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we haven't got. We talk. We haven't talked about Trent Alexander Arnold. Obviously, got injured. Who's, in my opinion, yeah. uh, on course of becoming the best right back in the world. Um, you know, the, well, the and, way he plays. and Luke Shaw, who yeah. Luke, you know, Luke whenever Shaw's was been un- unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. We're lots Corner. of we're lots of Villa fans. You know, just to uh, blow my own trumpet a little bit, where lots of Villa fans were talking about that target getting in the England team. I, you know, did make a point of saying, especially if you look at the stats. Luke Shaw and Ben Chilwell are just, you know, streets ahead of Target, particularly going forward. Uh, as good as Target has been for us in the last uh, in the last year or twelve months, um, it, you know, he's uh, he's just not on that on that level. And actually, if you look now at the sort of creative stats, I think Luke Shaw is right up there. There's only Sterling and Grealish who compete with him in this tournament for creating stuff. For, right, he's got he's got England he's got three three from, assists, hasn't he, Luke Shaw? Back, no. so. Three assists, Three assists Luke Shaw's yeah. got, which is the, the most yeah. in the tournament since uh, David Beckham. So you know that's that's outstanding. Yeah. Uh, and I'm yeah. surprised. I thought I thought Chilwell would be ahead of him, to be honest. But he, and I think, but I think Shaw's done himself justice. He's been he's been fantastic, and and the whole the whole back four and the two holding midfielders have been great. So you know maybe Tabka does know what he's he's talking about. It was interesting to see actually at the end of that uh, Ukraine game that. Um, Salka gave a little hug to to Jack, didn't he? And and sort of had a mm. word in his ear, mm. almost like. Uh, I, I mean, you can read whatever you want into that. You could be anything. You could be saying, uh, you know, great hair. You could be saying, uh, <laughs> you know, sorry, sorry, I couldn't get you on, but you were needed. Or you could be saying, we need you in the semi final and final, mate. You know, who, who knows yeah. what he said? But def- definitely, there's definitely something there, wasn't there? Do you think? I think he said. Yeah. I, I think he said, "I love you more than Sheva will ever love you." <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah I, I think it's been overstated that that tension between um, yeah. Gareth Southgate and and Jack Grealish I think it's more between us as fans as Jack Grealish and Gareth Southgate than it is yeah. because A I think Jack is such a happy-go-lucky guy it just seems like he'd just get on with anyone pretty much apart from A.D. Boothroyd apparently if you believe the, the reports but um you know, I, I always think back to when Jack was injured and Southgate was coming to watch the games and they'd, you know, uh, have a little chat in the stands and all of that sort of stuff. You know, there was no sense there that there no. was tension between the two. And I think the thing with Jack is, he, and he says this himself, he's really honest, isn't he? He just wants to play football. So he'll say, yeah, I'm gutted, I haven't played. But he's always first there celebrating uh, when we when we score if he's not on the pitch and, and all of that. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think... Um, you know, he'll be. I'm sure he'll be gutted if he doesn't get on in the next two games, but not in the sense that um, he feels like Southgate's stabbing him in the back or, or doesn't no. rate him or whatever. Like, and I'm sure, like us, he's, he'd say the same thing. Like, I'd love to play and score the winner and win the Euros for the for England, but at the end of the day, you just want England to win it, don't you? Um, so I'm sure he'll feel the same. Right. Let's get let's get your prediction involved, then. Doesn't he? Who's that? Sorry. So I was just I was just saying he seems to love being involved so much and I think that it's his first big tournament right he's clearly having an absolute whale of a time I wonder 
as we move towards the World Cup next year, whether it, it, it will be a slightly different approach from him, whether he will, if he's tearing it up in the league next year, think, well, hang on a minute. I've had my first taste of tournament football at the Euros. I was top cheerleader. I was doing all the interviews. Actually, it's the World Cup now. I've had another year of amazing stats. I need to be in the team. I, I wonder if that's where we'll end up. But, you know, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I, I, do, I do want to talk about Jack relishing contracts, etc. on this episode because we, we haven't heard anything either way and it's all rumours at the moment. But no. I do wonder, you know, I think you talk about Jack Grealish, he loves, he just loves playing football. He's definitely one of those players who, you know, he, he just can't sit on the sidelines. He hate, absolutely hates it. Whereas if he goes to a big club like Man City, you know, you see, you see with what Pep does. He, he likes to rotate his players, likes to rotate his forward players especially. Um, I wonder how that will make him feel um, if that does happen to I- him. Yeah, I think if I'm Jack Grealish, I just think you know I'm good enough. He's gonna he's gonna want to play me. You know, I think you know everyone always says this about oh yeah, why would you want to go and sit on the bench at, a, at an elite club? Every time, every time one of the clubs of our sort of stature sells to one of those big clubs, um, and I think if I was a player, I would be saying I'm going to go there and I'm going to back myself and I'm going to be in that team. I'm not going there to be on the on the bench. So. You know, I'm not saying that he's going to go. Either way, I just don't think if he doesn't go that that, that yeah. if he does go that yeah, if he doesn't, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's I, don't, I don't think it'll be. I don't think it'll be the reason either way that he decides. Yeah, to Yeah, and, and obviously he's a confident lad as well, so he'll back himself to uh, yeah. to have an impact on on the team. But I'd be, I'd be interested to see and, why. And he's and he's right. He's better than anyone that plays for Man City already. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously Raheem Sterling's there, so that, I think that that may be uh, they may be looking to shift him out, but. He's been fantastic for England, so it's a bit of a weird one, isn't mm. it? Um, but yeah, I guess I guess we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll obviously talk about that as of when things happen, but nothing really to talk about at the moment because we don't really know much. But let's move on then. Uh, let's get your predictions before we move on, actually. So, uh, AJ, your prediction? 2-0 uh, England. 2-0 England. Sam? 3-0 England. 3-0 England. I, I actually think it's going to be quite... I think it's going to be a tight game. I think Denmark are, are a good side and obviously... They've got a lot of uh, willingness behind them with what's happened in the um, early parts of the, the competition. So, a bit of team spirit, uh, camaraderie, and and determination to do well in this tournament for Christian Eriksen, I, I suppose. And they've got talented players as well. They've got uh, uh, Hoiberg, who's I think has been one of the, the players of the tournament, who's been a bit unnoticed by by many players. But he's got three assists in the tournament already, created so many chances done all the defensive work that he normally does. He's been fantastic this tournament for Denmark and been really the the key player for them, I think, uh, this tournament. So I think it's going to be a difficult game. I think it's going to be 2-1. And I think, uh, I do think, um, I've got I've got a sneaky feeling that Jack will start the game, but it's probably completely, mm-hmm. completely, completely wrong. But I have, a, I have a feeling, I have a feeling. But I guess we'll see. I, I guess we'll so. find out, we'll find out tomorrow night when Matt Law does his yeah. normal uh Oh, yeah, exactly. let, the opposi- let, let the let the opposition know of what we're doing. Tweet. Yeah. Can I just uh, in in Carl's ab- absence? Can I just throw in there that I'm sure I'm sure he would like a, a 27 nil yeah. prediction in there. Yeah, I'm sure. It's not it exponential. Sure it it's not exponential, mate. Yeah, he hasn't. It's got to be eight nil. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like be. it. I like I like it. Right, let's move on. Uh, let's talk transfers then. Emil Smith Rowe. This is the name. That's. Uh, well, being bandied around everywhere at the moment. Really weird one. I, I don't know what to make of it at all. Um, a, a player I really like, a player with potential, probably a player similar to what Jack was when he broke 
into the the Villa team, a player with ability, yet to realise that ability. I think he's done it in spells, in bits, um, and player plays a similar way to Grealish. I suppose you could say, um, if you were to think of any player that could play similar to him, it'd probably be him. Uh, Emil Smith Rowe himself has said that he he sort of models himself on Jack and looks up to Jack as a player. Um, so obviously, you would expect there to be stories that this may be a replacement for Jack. But obviously, you know, this is a player who's probably four or five years away from being at that stage of his career in terms of his development. Uh, Villa, Villa are sort of moot, are, are sort of um, putting it out there that this is very much planning for Jack being involved in the squad still and not selling him. So this is a player to play alongside Jack. Uh, 30, we've, we've seen bids apparently rejected of 25 million and, and 30 million. Uh, apparently we're going in for the third bid. What do you make of it? I don't really understand it myself. I'm not sure we need this type of player, but it's nice to see Arsenal fans squirm a little bit, isn't it, Sam? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've been chatting to a few of my uh, mates who are Arsenal fans about this and I've been getting a lot of, uh, you're Aston Villa, stay in your lane. Why would he go to Villa? You know, he's going to be a star for us kind of chat. I think the fact that we're going back with, with, with a third bid suggests to me that, you know, we think we can get him. So maybe his his representatives have have made some noises that make us think that, you know, he would move if the, if the, if Arsenal accepted the bid. Um, And obviously, you know, who knows what's going on with the sort of COVID anomics of football at the moment. I I get the impression that if we offered Arsenal a big load of bunts up front without any sort of add-ons and without any paying in installments, they'll probably think, well, you know, we've got our eye on a a bigger midfielder to, to come in. If Smith Rowe is going to be sat on the bench and only doing bits, let's take the money. I actually think this transfer could happen, and I can't believe I'm saying it because at the start of the summer, before we signed Buendia, the the idea that we'd sign Buendia and then go in for Smith Rowe would have seemed ridiculous, to be honest. But the, you don't go back in with a third bid unless you think there's there's going to be a chance of it happening. So I'm excited, you know. And as you said, and I think you're right, you know, there are there there is a, there are shades of Jack in the way that he plays because he wants to be progressive. He carries the ball forwards you know he's always looking to play the forward pass and he's just got that little bit of uh you know impudence about him that I really like uh and uh you know a bit of arrogance almost so I think it'd be a great signing and I and I, and I love this the 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 um you know the noises that it's to play with Jack and not to replace him and even if that's just because as soon as they think we're replacing Jack uh, you know an extra 10 million goes on the price either way it's canny uh, you know, and I hope that it's. Uh, I hope that it will happen. I, yeah, I rate him. I'd. I'd, lo- I'd love him to be. Uh, to be brought in. A weird one, AJ, for us because obviously we're not used to um, any transfers really being out there in the public spotlight, uh, especially details around you know number of bids, etc. Because normally we, the first we hear about it is John Percy probably tweeting it and saying we're bidding, and then you know a few days later they've accepted the bid, and a few days later they've done the medical. And, and normally because things have already progressed, it's just the press are not obviously first to it this time we're sort of hearing about these bids and it's, it's not and it's not just coming from anyone it's coming from david ornstein who's probably the most reliable arsenal uh reporter out there uh, i mean as sam says do you think there's there's actual merit to it do you think there's there's do you think it's an agent putting out their bids to get this new contract or do you think we're going in with a third bid because there's there's actually a potential chance of this happening i mean honestly mate i've got no idea i'm not any kind of in the know kind of kind of character like you say if it's us doing the business it's normally pretty quiet isn't it so it suggests 
there's some agents involved somewhere who want to make some noise about the fact that we're uh, we're in there. But I also think um, our owners and uh, Langer and Smith are no mugs. So if it was just a case of an agent trying to play us like a like a fiddle, then I'd like to think we'd be smart enough um, not to get drawn into that too much. Um, so they obviously they obviously think we can get him. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep going back. Uh, and there has been lots of talk about you know Arsenal's debts and all of that. Um, and uh, you know if they're going after Odegaard or uh, or, or Madison, then um, you know it seems like they owe transfer money left, right, and centre all over all over Europe already. So um, uh, whether, as Sam said, that that bit of cash up front would tempt them I don't know um I still kind of feel like I mean I haven't watched a lot of Emil Smith Rowe uh, to be honest I don't watch Arsenal week in week out I know the Arsenal fans rate him very highly uh and I've seen uh you know highlights and stuff that suggest he's 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 decent statistically he's not he's not outrageously good in uh, by any means you know he played 20 games uh last season and got two goals and four assists in that time, which is okay, but not amazing for an attacking uh, midfielder. Um, He doesn't, he hasn't created a huge amount of uh, chances uh, beyond that. So like his shot creating action, he's, uh, he's like sort of at the 40th percentile for attacking midfielders. So, you know, three fifths of attacking midfielders are creating more shots uh, than, than he is. Um, uh, and goal creating actions are a bit are a bit better. Uh, he's sort of uh, in the in the top third for that. But again, part of that is um, uh, the uh, quality of the people finishing off the the chances that he creates as well. Um, yeah, he's, he's a, a very good passer of the ball. He's playing at a poor side, AJ. Give, give, be fair to well, it. So is, so is Jack. But um, yeah, interesting the comparisons to Jack. He's more of a passer than Jack, I would say. I mean, we've talked a lot about how Jack's got everything in his locker, but skews more towards the the uh, moving with the ball at his feet and progressing it that way. Uh, whereas uh, Emil Smith Rowe, uh, a bit like when we talked about Buendia, is the is the opposite. Where he's much more, you know, his passing stats are really. Excellent. Uh, he's in the he's in the top two percent for pass completion in the league. So, uh, you know, he's genuinely a really good passer of the ball. Um, but again, like he's he doesn't contribute. If you look at his defensive stats, he doesn't contribute a huge amount defensively, etc. So, I'm not saying he's not a good player, and he's very young, uh, and um, you know, he's he's played in a team that have struggled off and on uh, through the season, although ended up uh, very strongly. I think in the second half of the year they were second in the form table to Man City or whatever. So uh, they did definitely pick up in the second half. Um, so, I, yeah, I just wonder about, and I said this to you guys earlier, the excitement around it is partly if we could get one over on Arsenal, that would feel massive for us in terms of where we're going as a club and our progression as a as a club. And I, I, I'm not saying he couldn't add something and that he hasn't got a huge amount of potential. It wouldn't be a big signing. But if you're starting to talk about 35 million quid, uh, and you're talking about a player for now that goes into the team, uh, then um, uh, you know, uh, arguably there are players putting up better numbers that you could get for that for that money. And I think conversely, that might be part of why we might be able to get him because if Arsenal are trying to get Madison, Madison is going to do 
bigger numbers for Arsenal next season than Emil Smith Rowe will. Now, as, as Sam said, maybe in three to five years, Emil Smith Rowe will be at that at that level, but he hasn't been so far. So, if Arsenal feel like the priority is to get a Madison in and they need some cash to do that with, then then that might then that might help us. But it's also worth noting that obviously that's an upgrade for one of our bigger competitors. Um, Versus the player that we're that we're bringing in, yeah, I think that's a, that's a very fair point and some some good uh, thoughts there, AJ. I think it's one of those, isn't it? I think with the younger players who are in that development phase, are probably their breakout season, a bit like Jack was in that first Premier League season, or even early on in the Championship. You know, we were all raving about Jack in that season under Steve Bruce, for example, that first season where he came back from injury and, and was fantastic. And we got to the playoff final and lost. Uh, whereas other fans or the teams are like, well, I don't see the, I don't see the, I don't see the, you know, the, the same as you Villa fans because I can't see the stats. You know, the stats don't back that up. I think with, with a player like Emil Smith Rowe, I think it's very much you have to sort of almost shy away from the stats a little bit and just look at it with your eyes and see what potential. What? Play. Sorry, AJ, what? I, I, I knew you were going to say that, but uh, yeah, I think you have to just look with oh, your eyes gracious. a little bit and just see, you know, see what kind of player he is, how he how he fits into a team, how he plays with, mm. with the ball at his feet. Um, and sort of see their potential there, but I think you're right. You know, potentially, you know, if, they're, if we if we get Madison for 30, 35 million, uh, sorry, we get uh, Emilson throw thirty five million, and then you know they get Madison for say sixty million or whatever it is, then obviously the Madison's a, a much more complete player, a much better player at this stage of his career. But at the same time, they don't have Jack Grealish, so mm. maybe this is uh, with one eye of the future, thinking, oh, this is the player who can learn from Jack, who can play alongside Jack, uh, and you know, obviously we've got players like. Uh, Algarzi, Troy, and Trezeguet. Obviously, Trezeguet is out, and Troy will probably be out for the first month or so. With with, with the as obviously just had an operation, but you know these we've got plenty of options there in the forward areas that this player can be allowed to develop here at Villa, and then eventually mm. maybe even take over from Jack. So, I guess we'll see. Yeah. The, you know, that thirty five million obviously comes with a with a. I, I was saying thirty five million like that's going to be the one that's going to be accepted. Obviously, we don't know that yet, but that thirty five million I think comes with uh, English premium. The fact that he's an England player, young England player playing for Arsenal. But also, I think there's potential there built in. You know, that's potential value there. I think that's in that in that transfer fee. Whereas, you know, he's definitely not a 35 million pound player. He's not there. You know, he's probably a 10, 15 million pound player at this present time in terms of his his ability. But the potential is there. So I guess we'll see. But I I, I completely agree with you. I think it's definitely a one over Arsenal thing for most Villa fans. The fact that we can mm. say that we beat you to a player in Buendia and then we've nicked your most promising player. Um, as I mean, it's almost like a, a secondary well, thing. Saka's not bad, is he? I no, don't know. Yeah, he's their true. most Saka, promising. True, so, but, yeah, true. But, Saka, but yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying he'd be a bad signing by any means. I think you know he does have a lot of potential. I think he's a very good player. I'm not. I don't mean to talk him down too much. I just think part of what we're excited about is uh, rinsing all of the Arsenal fans that said it would absolutely, definitely never happen, and it still may well not happen. And I'm not saying it will happen, but. Given that opportunity, I think that's where a lot of the fun on this transfer potentially lies. Yeah, he's, he's keeping some good players out the side, though, isn't he? You know, he's keeping he some is. big, big money players out the side. So obviously, Arteta and Co. see something in him, and I, I, I accept what you're saying about the stats, AJ, and and I, and I think that your point, Omar, on that is is really important. That you know, in Grealish's great breakthrough se- season when you know 2015, when he was playing Liverpool off the park in the semi-final, overall his stats probably weren't that great back then um but now obviously he's a totally different beast and i suppose it's about what arteta and and uh who's there now steve bold is he still there i don't know it's about what they see on the uh 
on the on the training ground and i i get the impression given that they keep selecting him that they think he's, he is really going to be that good and you know obviously they want him to sign a new contract so i just hope that we can nick him yeah yeah we'll see i guess we'll see i think i don't know it's, it's a weird one isn't it i think yeah you've you both said some really good points i think it's hard to hard to know where i stand on it to be honest i don't i don't really have any thoughts there's not a player that i would have thought immediately that I would go for or a player that would be interested in or even a player that i'd you know definitely want really it's not it's not like a for me when I first heard the the rumors I thought this is a jack replacement but then actually when you think about it more I think you know if we're gonna get a jack replacement it's gonna be someone who's gonna be ready made rather than mm. someone who's gonna mm-hmm. take another three years to get to the same level but we'll, we'll wait and see we'll wait with bated breath and um you know apparently we're going with the third third bid I think eventually it'll come to a point where Arsenal will be like well we'll take the money because you know they are they're much like most clubs are they're a selling club uh you know there's only two or three teams in the world that probably aren't selling clubs so I guess we'll wait and see. So that's that's the first transfer gossip out of the way. Uh, we'll talk about other transfer gossip in a minute when we we'll, when we talk about some of the other players linked and, and what other uh, what some of our listeners think. But one player who isn't gossip, one player who's arrived and arrived today, the first day of pre-season, was uh, a player who we're all very fond of. We've talked about already. Uh, AJ's in costume, in fancy dress, dressed as... Uh, dressed as the, sno- the snood's off snood's though, gone. Snood's gone. Snood's gone. Snood's gone. Got a bit warm. It only lasted about five minutes. <laughs> Ashley Young is here. One of my all-time heroes. One of our best, in my opinion, best players to play for Villa in the Premier League era. Um, he's, he's up there. I think apart from Jack, he's probably the, the best player I've seen. Maybe Dwight York as well. Uh, and, and obviously Paul McGrath. Um, really, like I said early on in the beginning of the pod, a real mixed reaction to him coming back. Obviously, he's a lot older now. He's not the same Ashley Young that we had here. For starters, he, he's played the majority of his latter part of his career in a completely different position. Um, potentially comes in as a, as a player who can play in a number of different positions, comes in with a lot of experience. Uh, on the flip side, he's obviously towards the end of his career. He was linked with Watford and Burnley, so not exactly clubs that we want to be competing with. AJ, what are your thoughts on, on the transfer immediately and, and, and sort of where do you sit on that? Sort of whether you're positive pro actually I'm coming in on it or, or or not happy with him coming in yeah I, unusually mate I'm not going to say a lot on this because I just think it's a no-brainer like he's available on a free uh he can cover a number of different positions you know you look at um we've lost uh experience the likes of Elmo and Taylor and those kind of guys going out you know he can cover both fullback positions he can still play wide up front uh, he's got all that experience. He's a winner, you know. He's won. He's won loads of stuff with United. He's just come off the back of winning Serie A with uh, Inter Milan, uh, and I'd much rather bring him in for a season or two uh, and focus our attention for signings on other areas uh, of the pitch than trying to sign. You know, trying to spend ten, fifteen million on a decent uh, backup fullback, which is at our level now. That's what it's going to cost. I'd rather contribute that money somewhere else uh, on the pitch um, because for all we talk about, you know, super wealthy owners and that, you've still got to have one eye uh, on uh, the financial fair play stuff, uh, even though it's being relaxed. Um, so, you know, if he can bridge a gap for two years, if he can bring a load of experience into what is one of the, if not the youngest uh, squad in the Premier League, I think it was last season, um, then I, I can't see why anyone would object to that as a signing. It just seems mad to object to. I think it's just smart business, sensible, smart business. And even leaving aside the kind of emotional bit of he used to play for us and he was Omar's favourite player and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> uh, even leaving that aside, I think it's just 
it's just smart business. Sam, your thoughts? I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that with Elmo going, I mean, he's an obvious upgrade from Elmo, who was filling in at fullback and uh, uh, in bits. Um, I also think, you know, like you say, he's a winner. And I think for our young players, you know, for those lads breaking through, you've got Ashley Young, who's, you know, won a Serie A, won a, uh, he has won a Premier League, hasn't he? Did he yeah, win one? Yeah, two, I think maybe. Yeah. yeah. You know, I just think that, and also that with Ashley Young's, uh, you know, level of fitness and the nick that he's in, you don't get to 36 in that sort of nick if you're a poor professional. And I think that, you know, he's going to be a great example for those young lads. And I think there's a lot to be said for that, added to the fact that he's, you know, obviously able to offer us great cover. I think it's a fantastic signing. And just the final point I'll make is his attitude to the signing was unreal. You know, get the deal done. Don't even want to talk about money. As soon as my agent said Villa were interested, I wanted to go back. And I, th- I really think that that shows, you know, or emphasises just the atmosphere around the place at the moment. And, you know, it's, it's fantastic that he, he wants to get back in and be part of it again. Yeah, I, I actually, for once, have a have a, a lot to say on this one because I've actually seen him play. Uh, I'm not talking about for us. I'm talking about for for Inter Milan last season. So I managed to watch quite a few Inter games when during lockdown because they're on TV a lot. And, and obviously, he's playing for Inter, who are going to have most of the ball. Are going to be one of the most dominant teams in the league. I've obviously just won the league. Um, but he played, I think, 26, 27 of their games, so the majority of their games. And every time I saw him, probably saw him about 12, 13 times, I think, overall. He looked fantastic pretty much every time. He was playing mainly a left wing back role um, and, and he was just brilliant for him. He was so good. He's so energetic, still very, very fit, still fantastic. You know, that ability on the ball in terms of being able to cross the ball, you know, at, at pace, which, which you don't see. We've talked about this before on the party. You don't see that much anymore in, in the Premier League. You know, that's still there. He still he still can do that. And, and yes, he's played left wing back in the majority of the time for for Inter Milan, but he can play right wing back. He's played their bits for them as well. He can still play cover at the left wing as well. So he, you know, he's a man of many positions, and like I say, he's got that experience and uh, etc. as well. But and I think most importantly, I think for for fans worried about his his age, you know, he's still very very fit. You know, the guy keeps yeah. himself in excellent condition. He's going to be able to play the Premier League standard of football because he's played there. He's played there before. He understands it. He knows what it takes. But he's playing at a Syria Syria for a top team, uh, you know. And like I say, he's a winner. But Syria is it's a, it's a completely different league. It's not like what it was like in the nineties, where it was slow, slow, methodical football. You know, the, the Italian football has changed massively. If you watch any of the games, it's a completely different style of football now. So I think he'll fit right in. You know, another thing, an interesting point there you make about the younger players. I think you know someone like Jack Grealish. You know, you want to keep him at the team where you can imagine that Jack Grealish growing up, Ashley Young was one of his heroes. Because mm. that's that's the play he would have looked up to, you know him and Gabby, those types of players. So hopefully, it has again another impact on him staying as well. It'd be good for the team, good for the young players. We've lost, like I said, Elmo, Taylor, and Heaton as well. Heaton's just signed from United. The average of the squad's gone down. It's good to bring in a bit of experience. Uh, and you know, I, I think realistically, Target and Cash are going to be the the first two that that play pretty much every game and it's going to be now and again a handful of games where they're injured or suspended where you're going to need someone to come in and who better than, than Ashley Young to come in so I'm really happy with the signing I think it makes complete sense when I saw he was linked with Watford I, I thought why aren't we going in for him um, so I wasn't one of these people who thought well only, if only Watford and Burnley want him he can't be any good um, I, I definitely definitely very happy with that and I think it makes complete sense and as you say AJ, it helps us now focus on other areas and spend the money that we do have to spend on on those areas. Key areas that we do definitely need to improve the first team, you know, on the first eleven. On let's let's move on to to that now. So I, I put it out there on Twitter. 
earlier on, you know, just to get a sense of, of uh, fans' expectations and wants and needs around transfers and, and see what everyone said. And and definitely, I think one point we, we, we mentioned just before we started the pod, AJ, was a big clamour for a central defensive midfielder, someone with a bit of physical presence to come in. Um, and, you know, if I look at the... the I mean, I won't go through all the comments because there's, there's so many, but, uh, you know, Danny said a true CDM. Uh, Neslo said the same. Jester said the same. Ben said the same. <laughs> there's just literally everyone saying defensive midfield, defensive midfielder. We've had a few shouts as well. Matsy said uh, Sander Berg uh, or, or Matasar, who we've been linked with, or, or James Ward-Prowse, who we've been linked with as well. Um there's a few names there. Where do you sit on this central defender midfielder position or what type of player do you think we need? We've talked about it before on the pod. James Ward-Prowse has been the only one that's really been linked with us apart from Matasai, so sort of a bit more of a tenuous link. Where, where, where do, you, do you think we need that physical type or do you think we need someone a more ball-playing type? Uh, James Ward-Prowse? No. Where, where are your thoughts on this? Well, I think we, whoever he is, they need to be able to play because there's, you know, there's no... Uh, there's no one or the other these days. You've got to, you know, to be a. If we are genuinely serious about getting into the top six, let alone the top four, then you know you can't just have somebody who's a big physical presence in there. They've got they've got to have the all round game. But I think we do lack that physical that physical presence. Uh, you know, we talked about Saar on the last pod, I think, and we did a bit yeah. of a statistical rundown because none of us really knew who he was. Looked like he'd be a good fit, but again, he's you know he's nineteen or whatever he is. Is he the guy to come in and take it by the scruff of the neck in the Premier League? Um, now you know players do that. Look at Bellingham doing it for England and uh, and Borussia Dortmund. So it's not it's not impossible. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know you look at players like Berg and Basuma. You know they are being linked to um, a number of other big clubs like United, Arsenal, teams like that as well. But that is the sort of player we need for me. But it just seems one thing that seems a bit odd to me is when you look at the sort of the coverage um, uh, in the media. The suggestion is that the focus is very much on those attacking positions to take the pressure off uh, Jack, or God forbid, uh, to replace him if we need to do that. And I understand that because if you look at last season, defence was our strength, uh, and attack was where we often uh, fell away. Uh, and couldn't get over the line in, in games where we'd managed to keep it uh, where we'd managed to keep it tight. So I do understand that, but I think it's clear, you know, from all of those tweets that you had, you know, you, you copied us in on that, uh, you, you mentioned us in those tweets, so we saw the replies as well. You know, within about two minutes of you tweeting it, there was five or six replies saying the thing we need is a defensive midfielder. So, you know, fans are as fans, we don't always see the game the same way as managers uh, and often we should trust them because they do know the game better than us, believe it or not. But it does feel like that kind of physical presence in the middle of the park is something we're definitely missing. And I don't know who the solution uh, to that is. I I don't think it's James Ward-Prowse. I think he's more similar to what we've got already in that sort of role, but with better set pieces, uh, which is another thing that Ashley Young brings, by the way. Good point. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, yeah, I think it's definitely something we we need. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't like. I'd love to see it be Basuma or or even Berg. Uh, but I, I don't know if we, I don't know if we could get those players to be honest. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one, isn't it? Elliot Holmes, uh, regular listener to the pod, has said that um, he agrees about the physical DM 
requirement, but he thinks that he's not convinced that Smith actually wants this type of player. He's never had it before in any of the previous clubs he's had. So hence why probably someone like James Ward-Prowse seems a more... I, mean, I definitely think the James Ward-Prowse interest is there. It's genuine. Um, it's. I'd be very shocked and surprised if we got him. I think only if Jack went, would we get him. Not because I think... Obviously, I think James Ward-Prowse probably wants to come here if, and if Jack stays, but I think it'll probably be because we'll have a bit more money and we can maybe have a, have a, have a bit more of a serious bid against Southampton and maybe pique their interest. Uh, so I guess we'll see, but... Um, Sander Bergen and Basuma are the two for me. Matasar seems like a really good player from what I've seen and what I've read. But again, a player, a bit like Emil Smith-Rowe, a player with potential more than anything else, isn't it? Um, although, albeit his stats do actually do stack up a little bit more um, in, in the fact that he's he's producing week in, week out. But albeit at a different, in a different league, so it's always not, it's not always easy to sort of convert that form and, and, and those stats over to the Premier League from, from Ligue 1. But uh, Sam, your thoughts on, on on some of the other positions? We've mentioned defensive midfielder, some of the other positions that other players, other people have mentioned. Uh, Matt C again has mentioned a few other positions. He said uh, attacking midfielder, number 10 position, obviously being linked with the meals to throw. We've talked about mm. uh, maybe another winger or forward, but also centre-back, obviously with uh, with uh, Engels going as well, Bjorn Engels. And he said Brett yeah. Engels then. I don't know why. Is it Brett Brett Angel. He used to be a player, didn't he? Anyway, yeah. Bjorn Engels. Yeah, the uh, right said, Yeah, Stockport, yeah. Right centre back is another position. Twan Zebi mm. is a name that's been mentioned on loan. Your thoughts on those positions? Yeah, I mean, look, I'd, I'd be delighted to bring Twan Zebi back. I think he's been pretty unlucky at Man United. It, you know, it's it's hard to get a look in there. Obviously, Slabhead's always going to play, but even when he was injured, um, you know, uh, Twan Zebi didn't get much of a look in. I think it's a shame because he's a quality player and, you know, Talk about no-brainer. We we know the Villa fans like him. They warm to him. He had a brilliant season for us. Get him back, sure. I'd take him. Um, I think it's quite interesting, some of the links that we've had. We talk about defensive midfielders, and uh, you mentioned some names, and, and I think they're good names. But we, weirdly, we've been we've been linked with Harry Winks, who I'm not even sure what sort I'm not even sure what sort of midfielder he is. But yeah. for me, if you've got if you've got uh, John McGinn in there, you've got Louise. You've got Sanson, okay, Sanson, and you've got yeah. you've, and you've got Carney as well. Who obviously Carney's going to get minutes. Carney's going to be doing yeah. bits next year, surely, right? Hmm. Why would you want to bring in another player that doesn't really put in that many tackles, doesn't really offer you that much progressively? He just sits in there ticking over. Surely Louise does that, you know. Hmm. Uh, John McGinn, Sanson, they all do hmm. that. I just think the Winks link is weird. Um, in terms of a number 10, I mean, yeah, I don't think we really need number 10. What I would say is if we were to sign another centre forward, that gives you the opportunity to bring Ollie onto the left and play Jack 10. I, I, I think that could work, but I don't see us spending 40 million on that option because I think more often than not, Ollie's playing at nine. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I think you're you're talking about the Tammy Abraham links there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's a nice option to have to play Ollie on the left. And that means you're going to need another centre forward who probably isn't Wesley, if we're honest. But, you know, let's see how he goes in pre-season. But I I just don't see us spending 40 million on that option because I think Ollie's basically going to be number nine usually. Um, and, and, and he's, uh, and he's quite, quite, quite a robust player as well. It doesn't really, I mean, Touchwood, obviously, I'm, I'm tempted mm. failure, but a player doesn't really get injured. Quite right. Yeah, quite right. So, so I don't, I don't see us doing that. I, th- I think we probably uh, will see, um, we probably will see another signing in, you know, 
in midfield and I think that that could be a Smith Rowe or maybe a JWP but again you know I, I I I similarly wouldn't be surprised if we don't get either of them but I'd rather take Smith Rowe for the potential for the fact that we've got quite a lot of Ward Prowse-esque players and the fact that Carney's probably going to come in and do a bit in front of the back four as well as or as a kind of box-to-box yeah. Um, I think I think that's I like it. Traore. Go on, sorry. sorry. No, sorry. Go on, carry on, carry on. What were you going to say? Yeah, I, I think what Traore is going to be out at the start of the season, but I think we're all hopeful that with the season under his belt, and given that his numbers were pretty good, even if his performances were a little bit uh, hit and miss at times, we could get more out of Traore next year. So you know, I think that we we could look really good going forward. I think Sam makes a good point around uh, Czech Wemeka. Uh, I just want to say his name. I've attempted it. But, yeah, very um, good. Very good. Uh, no, but I think I think one thing we haven't talked about in the pod uh, is is the young players, the younger players. Obviously, the, the team who just won the the FA Youth Cup because there is a strong possibility that a lot of those players will be involved in the first team squad. I'm, I'm thinking particularly Carney, Chukwemeka, and and Kessler as well. Uh, I think those two players, uh, Arjun Arjun Reiki as well, maybe as well. I think those those two or three players are potentially going to be involved in the squad and may you know, for example, it's probably why we've signed Ashley Young. Because we know he can cover both fullback positions, but no, doesn't necessarily need to cover right fullback because Kessler may be involved in the squad now and again, and maybe this is the year that he starts getting game time. Yeah, I agree. I was just going to say on the striker thing, um, I, I think you've got to give Wesley at least until January, like to see what he can to see what he could do. He was starting to warm up in his first season before he got uh, injured, and it was a horrible injury. Um, and even when, even when he came on a couple of times at the end of that at the end of the last season, you could see you know he's got a bit about him, and I think you know he was he's still our second most expensive player. We've uh, we're third now, isn't he? Sorry, third most expensive player we've ever bought. Um, so uh, you know I think you've got to give him a chance to be that backup uh, striker, uh, and if it doesn't work out, then then maybe you look at something later in the year. But I, I still think the way we manage our transfers, if if a great opportunity came up to sign someone like we did with the uh, Sanson, then uh, then they'll pounce on it. But I don't think they they'll be actively looking at a striker for that reason. And I don't think we should. I think we should give Wesley that opportunity. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, quick question. So a question put, uh, put to us by Danny Hoxton um, was: Do we think our transfer record will be beaten again this this summer? Obviously, we've beaten it with Bendir. Do you think there's still potential for us to go for a big? big name signing or not even a big name signing but spend a lot of money on a player this summer if Jack goes yeah <laughs> I was waiting for that I, I think he, I think either way though I think we'll be I mean you look at the rumours around Smith Rowe and definitely we know for a fact that two bids have been made one of which was 30 million quid uh I think there'll be one or two players that come in around that range. And is it possible that one of them will just tip us beyond that 36 or whatever it is we're supposed to have played up front for Buendia? It doesn't seem unlikely, does it? And as Sam says, if Jack actually does go and we've got another 100 million quid to spend uh, or more, then I'm fairly confident we we would break it. So I, I think we'll make at least another couple of signings regardless of the Jack situation and they'll be in that sort of range. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility. But are we going to go out and spend 60, 70 million on someone, even if we sold Jack? I think that's unlikely. And anyway, I don't think players in that range 
as much as we've moved on, I think we're going to struggle to attract players mm. uh, of that caliber, especially without Jack in the team. Yeah, fair yeah, point. I, I guess. I, I guess. I guess we'll see. You know, I guess we'll see. I think mm. um, there's no point uh, guessing really because we just don't know. With our, with especially the way that we run our transfers, you know, we we have no idea who we're going to sign, what positions we're looking at. We like to keep things close to our chest, and um, you know, there's been links from players that. We probably wouldn't want to players that uh, every team would want to players that we'd never even heard of. So, you know, think about Alvarez in, in, in South America. We've been linked with players for of late, who, who's a very good player. Uh, you know, these types of players we've been linked with. Uh, Matasar, obviously, we talked about already. You know, these these sort of relatively unknown players as well that that we'll see. But there's there's definitely, I think, a hint of looking for experienced Premier League players or, or players who have experienced English football at least. So. I guess we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. And I think uh, Son, Son Lai made a good point around uh, some of the names that have been linked with or maybe some of the players or targets we're after. He's saying, uh, we talked about, I think Sam mentioned earlier, was co- you know, COVID, the effect of COVID. You know, there's, a, there's a bit of fancy pricing going on early on in the, in the season in terms of what clubs want for a player. And I think as the summer window progresses, we'll get to see a bit more of a realistic value on players potentially as well. Uh, as we see what you know, what state the finances are for 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 clubs around the country and around Europe and the world as well. So you know maybe players who clubs may want 30, 40 million for actually what comes to it when they you know their the contracts are running down may actually accept a little bit less. So we may see some of that uh, later on in this window, but it rarely ever works like that, doesn't it? It normally works the opposite way around. But but well, I guess we'll see. We don't know. As Sam said, COVID. We we don't know. Um, but apart from that, really, I don't think there's anything else. I, else, I wanted to to catch up on. We, I didn't really want to speak about Grealish and new contracts yet, because obviously we don't we don't know what the situation is. We've talked about that and we did it to death already. Um, anything else you boys want to want to touch on, or should we leave it leave it leave it for that? I think that's it, really. Oh, Matt. Good, 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 mate. Good, excellent. Well, we'll uh, we'll be back uh, again. I'll be vague as possible at some point in the near future. I don't know when. Probably when it we will either there. have come home or not, or, or not. Yeah, yeah, or not. Yeah, not. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. If we're really excited about the semi-final and the result of the semi-final, then maybe we'll do one after that. But I guess we'll, we'll see. But uh, a big, big few days coming up for England fans huge. everywhere. Huge, huge. This is a, a massive, massive chance to to actually do something special here, uh, and for our very own Jack Grealish and Tyra Minks to be involved in that will be extra special as well. So mm-hmm. thank you for listening. Thanks to the guys again for the for the time. Uh, please do subscribe and follow us on whatever podcast platform you're on. Uh, follow us on Twitter as well at Villa Podcast or on Word. Um, one thing I forgot to mention was uh, Ghana Lions. We're doing a, a fundraiser for them. There's there's five children as part of the Ghana Lions who need hernia operations. We've we've raised a substantial amount of money already. I think three thousand pounds was our target. We've really raised two thousand pounds. So a fantastic effort. And again, you know, hats off to all the Villa fans out there who've donated. It shows you how strong the Villa family is. Um, We'll be sending that money over uh, in the coming days uh, to help and get those get some of those operations sorted. So, so thank you again for those who donated, and please do donate if you can if you haven't done so already. But apart from that, thanks to guys, thanks for listening, and uh, up the villa, up the villa. Cheers, Omar. Up the villa, and come on, England. Come on, come on England. England. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it.